Welcome to the Friday edition of the NBA Exchange. I'm your host, Dexter Henry. Busy things going on in the NBA. LeBron James returning to the court tonight. That'll be very interesting, but we are in December now, which means we can actually start talking about trades. And perfect person to talk to about that is a good friend of mine. His name is Michael Scotto. He writes for Hoops Hype. He will be joining me now to talk about an article that he recently wrote about the December 15th and January 15th dates and trades coming up and players that we could see being traded by then. Mike, what's up? Good to see you. How you doing, brother? Hey, Dexter. Always good to see you, my man. Appreciate the warm intro. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just doing well, staying safe, man. Enjoying this NBA basketball throughout this season, right? So let's let's get into it, Mike, because we are now a quarter way through the season, right? We're just right at that point, quarter way through the season. There's been a lot that we've talked about this season, whether it's the poor shooting to start the season, the difference in officiating to start the season. What are your thoughts as we have been through the season, started at 25% through, and you've looked at the team so far? What are your thoughts on what you've seen thus far in this NBA season? Yeah, you know, right now, a quarter of the way into the season, I think that you're seeing a lot of parity in the league still right now. If you look at the Western Conference, uh, you know, teams that are in the play-in and are even like the 11th seed are separated by the fourth seed by a game, uh, something along those lines. And in the East, it's pretty competitive as well. I think that, you know, when I look at uh, when I look at both conferences, like I said, I've just seen parity so far. I think uh, the Bulls came into the season in the East as a team on paper that could look good. Uh, so far, it's materialized as such after their offseason additions. Um, you know, Brooklyn – being the top seed right now, uh, I still think their championship aspirations are downgraded without Kyrie Irving there. But, you know, James Harden's taken time to kind of round into form a little bit. Um, and, you know, other great teams like you've seen the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you know, I know Brooke Lopez has to get back surgery, but, uh, you know, for the most part, the core has been able to come back. Giannis has looked good and they've gotten things together. You know, Philly had a hot start and then cooled off a bit. Um, and in the West, like, you know, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves are, were a team that was at least as of, you know, a couple of days ago in the playoffs and in the top like six. And it, it just shows you that it's so early in the season. And, you know, um, I think for a lot of teams, now that you, you touched on in your open about it being a quarter of the way through the season, a lot of executives and guys that are coming to games are starting to like ask around to see if teams are getting a little anxious to see uh, who could be available potentially on, on trade talks. And, and, and that drum roll has started quietly a little bit, uh, though I still think we have a little bit of time before we get into those talks a bit more earnestly. Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit later, too, about those talks around the trades. But you talked about you mentioned the Brooklyn Nets. And the other day I had Gerard Hector on the show. We talked about the fact he doesn't think that they're a championship contender anymore. So I have to ask you, from what you've seen thus far, 25 percent through the season, who are the championship contenders right now in the NBA, in your mind? I mean, for me, first off, I always give a team that has continuity a little bit of an edge. So I look at the Milwaukee Bucks. I think if they're healthy, that. To me, they're the best team in the East, and I think that I know the you know the Chicago Bulls have have gelled well so far. I just want to see if it continues to materialize 
over the course of the season. You know, look, Brooklyn has Kevin Durant and James Harden, and you can never discount that. But I just think that, um, you know, when, with Kyrie there, it made their offense elite. They've struggled at times offensively this year um, as James Harden has tried to round into form. They're putting a lot of pressure on Kevin Durant to play big minutes early. I worry about that down the road, even though I know he likes to play. You want those guys fresh for the playoffs. You know, James Harden's hamstring, you always want to keep an eye on that. Um, You know, you've seen like with the Tennessee Titans wide receiver Julio Jones, sometimes hamstring injuries can be persistent. It's not like a broken bone or something like that that heals and then, you know, you should be pretty good to go. Uh, you know, anything with ligaments, you have to worry about a little bit more. Um, so, you know, Brooklyn, I, I still think they're certainly a top four team in the East, and they'll compete for one of the top spots. Uh, it's been good for them to get uh, these wins of late. They're beating the teams that they should. Teams over 500 they're struggling with so far, though, record-wise. So that's, to me, a little bit concerning if you want to be a championship contender. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who's played well, separate themselves. I like that you're giving them love to Milwaukee. Some people seem to have forgotten that they won a title last year, but I see you giving some love to the Bucks there. So let's talk about this because December 15th is approaching. It's the first day you could trade players uh, who've been signed in the offseason that are eligible to be traded. Um, and then you're talking about draft picks that are also eligible to be traded as well, too. When we look at the trade season coming up, and a lot of people talk, you know, you're thinking about February, you're thinking about March with the buyout season. Do you think that we will see an active NBA trade season this year after the offseason we've had and the start to the season we've seen thus far? I think so, Dexter. And uh, this is a, an educated guess because ultimately the market, this some of the free agent market, is a little bit dry. And my colleague Yossi Gosselin on Hoopsite had a, an article about it on Hoopsite previously where there's only a, a handful of teams with significant cap space this summer. So when that happens, one, that's going to dry up the restricted free agency market. You saw last year, you didn't see a lot of uh, restricted free agents. Actually, none signed an offer sheet. Devontae Graham and Laurie Market and were signing trade guys. I think you could see that, certainly. And, and during the regular season, you know, ultimately, yeah, the buyout market's going to be there. I think it will be eventful for teams like Golden State, you know, Brooklyn, and the Lakers, I'm sure. But uh, to me, I just think that if you're trying to make a move to better your team, you know, the, the, the tax mid-level exception, the full mid-level exception, those things are nice to have, but they're not going to land you necessarily a starter. I think they could help you land. A, I mean, maybe you can get like a fringe starter, but you're not going to get a, a significant upgrade with those uh, cap restrictions. So I think that, your best way to do it is through the trade market. And, you know, ultimately Ben Simmons is still out there, even though nothing has come yet with him with really much traction. I think that that if that happened, that would really open up a floodgate of dominoes. Like for Ben Simmons to get traded, I don't think it's just going to be a straight one for one team kind of deal. I think it's going to be a multi-team deal. could be three, four teams and, you know, there's guys – you look at it this way too, Dexter. Like Buddy Hill thought like he was going to get traded uh, yep. last uh, in, in the summer to the Lakers. That didn't happen. So it makes you kind of wonder, you know, the clock ticking on a guy like him. Um, and then, you know, you touched on it a little bit. The guys that are eligible now, December 15th and January 15th. Um, you know, some guys that were signed this offseason 
that I immediately thought could be trade guys uh, when they were eligible. Like a guy like Kelly Olenek on the Detroit Pistons that are in a rebuilding program, but a, a guy to stretch five could be a really good bench upgrade for a team that's in the playoffs trying to compete. He did that for years with the Celtics. Um, speaking of the Celtics, you know, they signed Dennis Schrader this summer. And for me, he was a guy that was a steal at the price they got him. But the caveat to that is, and Yossi touched on this in the podcast, and we have a written uh, transcript with the key points of it on hoopsype.com. Now, it's going to be very tough for them to re-sign him because they can only give him, I think, maybe $7 million or so. Again, I defer to Yossi on the cap stuff there. But um, for me, what, if you're not going to be able to re-sign the guy and have him long-term, you might as well flip him for assets if you're not going to be a, a contender in the East and they're close to the luxury tax. People have right. to understand that sometimes those decisions are made for as much a financial reason as opposed to on the court. Um, yeah. And, you know, another guy I would say, you know, it's kind of come up of late to at least keep an eye on Kemba Walker with the Knicks. Uh, getting benched this early is a bit surprising to me and some people, especially after Tom Thibodeau went with uh, Alfred Payton last year for a long time. But the reasoning for that, Alfred Payton is a defensive guy. Kemba, shooting the ball well from three-point range. I think he's about 43% or so, and uh, that's among the best uh, seasons, if not the best in his career from that range. But defensively, Tibbs wants that. And so, you know, he's always had his guy, Derek Rose, who he will always go to war with. And um, I, I think it was a little surprising for teams around the league to see him get benched. So he's a guy that I would look at, at, at leading up towards the trade deadline. Teams are going to be interested in him, I think. Um, and one other guy that sticks out to me, and we touched on this on Hoops Hype as well, uh, Dexter, is Daniel Tice with the Houston Rockets, a guy that uh, was in the starting rotation. Now they moved Christian Wood to the five and been playing a little bit smaller, and that seems to be better for Christian Wood, his trade value, and uh, for that team. So to me, Tice is a guy that's a really good player to have if you're a playoff team, does a lot of the dirty work, and and sometimes things that don't always show up in the, in the box score, but he's a winning basketball player and a lot of teams like him. You know, Houston got him because they, they paid a nice chunk of money for him uh, this past summer in free agency. So those are a handful of guys that I just touched on that, in my opinion, uh, certainly you have to keep an eye on uh, before the trade deadline. When specifically they get moved or if they get moved, to be determined, but definitely guys I would keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, No, good guys to keep an eye on there. And you brought up somebody that's funny. I almost forgot about myself, Mike, which was Ben Simmons. And I do feel like, you know, the dominoes could fall, like you said, after that and other guys getting moved. I've always thought, and I've heard this, I talked with Keith Pompey, who covers the Sixers about this. He said if Simmons got moved, he thought it would be after the December 15th, uh, you know, timeline because the Sixers would be able to get other assets for him, and as you said, it wouldn't be a straight-up one-to-one guy. Do, do you think that gets resolved at all this year from your feeling, you know, just looking at that? or Because that's the one people are going to be looking at, or do you think this could drag out well up until the trade deadline? I mean, if I'm Philadelphia, I would certainly hope so. Look, at the end of the day, whether this is, uh, you know, a mental issue where he doesn't want to play, he doesn't – Ben Simmons has made it pretty clear that he doesn't want to play in Philly. And, you know, whether – you know – He's going to talk to mental health coaches, you know, and then correspond with the Sixers back and forth. I think for me, 
ultimately, when you have Joel Embiid in his prime, this is a guy that has had major injuries before, you have to maximize that prime. I think, you know, Philadelphia has an idea of what they would like to get for Ben Simmons, and I just don't think they're going to get it. So they're either going to have to um, change their evaluation of him and what he can bring back, uh, or they're just going to wait it out as long as possible. I just think it does no good for either side to have Ben Simmons not playing. Ben's losing money, um, you know, by not playing. And for the Sixers, you're losing an all-star caliber guy and you have an opportunity where you could replace him. And he's a max guy. So if you do trade him, maybe you open up some some money and some flexibility, even if it's not right away in, in the next couple of years, you can continue to reshape that roster. I think that after the playoffs, you know, with Doc Rivers and, and some of the comments and Joel Embiid, I don't think that it helps his trade value, certainly. If you are gonna, if if you in your head thought that Ben Simmons wasn't that guy, well, you don't gotta like say that. You know, when they ask, can you can you win with him as your point guard? Yeah, we could, but then you know, if you move him, uh, you move him, and you, you want to keep the value as high as possible. I was a little surprised, um, you know, that Doc said that back when, because because Doc's been around, he knows the media game. So I, you know, I just think on both sides, it's. It's a tricky situation and that, you know, when you see guys like him and James Harden that, that have these long-term contracts and they're trying to get their way out, I wrote an article about this on Hoopsite a while ago, and I would suggest people check it out, about how players try to orchestrate a trade and, and, and agents on, on the back end to, to try to get their client out. And I remember one agent who's done a fair share of them in his time told me that, uh, you know, when you when you want out and you demand a trade, it's like a divorce. It's going to get ugly, and at the end of the day, you have to, once you go down that path, you're all in. And it certainly seems like, to this point, Ben Simmons is all in on not playing for the 76ers anymore. It certainly seems like that, for sure. Now, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Now, you said you think there will be an active trade uh, deadline season or trade season, I should say. Do you think we will see moves quickly after December 15th, or do you see more moves coming closer to the trade trade deadline, excuse me, Mike? Well, I always think in the league it's closer to the trade deadline. Maybe you get something a month before or something like that. You know, ironically, Brooklyn's a team that has made trades pretty early before the trade deadline, but I feel like for most of the league, they wait as long as possible for a couple of reasons. One, to fully evaluate their roster and where they are in terms of competition, if they are really a contender or not, whether that's a playoff contender or a title contender. And also, I just feel like in the league, a lot of times, a deadline kind of moves the needle for people, kind of spurs them into action a little bit. So I don't think it's going to be right away after the December 15th trade deadline. Do I think the talks happen soon after that, where you start moving the needle towards what could be closer to the deadline? Yes. Um, but people are going to have to be a little bit patient. And there are a couple of guys around like January 15th we touched on on the podcast and in the written transcription part on Hoopsite. Uh, one guy for me that really stood out, and, and this is a guy that stood out to other executives, was uh, Josh Hart on the New Orleans Pelicans. Because when he signed his contract this summer, a lot of people thought, I'm, talking, I'm referring to executives, that, that contract was designed to be trade, 
a very enticing tradable contract. Mm. And, you know, there's multiple options in there. And it just seemed like a nice little pay raise for this year with the caveat of maybe he could be moved. He was mentioned in some sign trade possibilities um, during free agency. It just didn't materialize. So that's a guy I would uh, keep an eye on as well. And Josh Hart, keep an eye on that after January 15th. All right. Got to ask you about another guy. He came up in the news last week, and that is John Wall. Has not played all year for the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. Talked to Raphael Stone and the ownership about returning to the team. There's been this talk about whether he'll start or not. But it seems like to me, Mike, mm-hmm. ultimately John Wall wants to be traded. We know he doesn't want to play in Houston, but there have been no takers thus far. If John Wall comes back and plays – does that help him at all in terms of increasing his trade value? And what do you think the likelihood that John Wall actually gets traded this season is? I think John Wall is in a similar predicament as Blake Griffin. John Wall, last year, put up decent numbers statistically. I think if John Wall even got back to all-star level John Wall, it would be so tough to move him with his salary in the 40s. Um, you know, there's a reason that he got moved as part of a deal with Westbrook because that guy had a similar contract. I think for John, maybe next year it would be easier because it's the last year of his deal. Um, I just think right now it's such a financial burden for a team to want to take him. Now, he could do the – John Wall route, like if like if, if John Wall was willing to pass on money, you know, next year and decline his option, which that's not happening, uh, you know, then sure, that would open up a ton of possibilities more so than now, in my opinion, it would certainly move the needle. But if he does like a Blake Griffin thing where he does a buyout and he gets back maybe 20 million or so, then I think that would be interesting. Um, you know, we saw Kemba Walker do it, he saw Blake Griffin do it. But the caveat to that is John Wall's not going to make is he going to be able to make that money back Kemba Walker was able to do it with the Knicks mm-hmm. now I don't know John depending on what he gives up that's going to be tougher because he has a lot of money on the table and so that's what makes the situation tricky also for John this is a guy that's you know missed time in his career because of injuries and now he's healthy and it's just a tough situation you know the Rockets are clearly rebuilding he is not going to fit that timeline. And while John is a serviceable player and a starting caliber point guard in the league, still it doesn't mesh. It doesn't fit. So that is where the caveat is. John Wall is not going to be happy. I don't think coming off the bench, playing sparingly on a Houston Rockets team, that's not good. He's going to want to play, try to increase his value. And just in general, like he, no veteran like John is going to want to go to a team and not play and lose. Like when he went there, you know, they had James Harden at the time and it was him and DeMarcus Cousins was there and they thought eh, maybe, maybe we could do something. Maybe we could make some noise, you know, and, and it never materialized. And, you know, even with the Rockets, when they did the trade of James Harden, they ended up with Victor Oladipo. They thought they would be not in this position and it, it never materialized. You know, so this rebuild for the Rockets kind of, I'm not going to say they backed their way into it, but it certainly, uh, you know, it came a little quicker, I think, than they would have thought. I think maybe they thought that they would have gradually try to compete, but not 
be a, a real playoff contender, but but then it just it nosedived quickly. And you saw they were able to get Jalen Green, and now I think at that point, once they took Jalen Green, that's a guy that needs time to develop. He's got to learn through mistakes, and he's going to get the, the bulk of the playing time, and they're trying to see if Kevin Porter Jr. can be a point guard. I don't know who can be, but they're going to find out and give him the minutes over John Wall, certainly, when you know what he is. And by the time the Rockets are ready to compete again, John's going to be past his prime. Right. So, yeah, I, it's it's hard for me to see how he's moved this season. Unless, like you said, he takes a buyout. It's just really hard for me to see. So let's bring up another point guard that you mentioned before, Mike. Kemba Walker. Yep. Okay. You talked about how you were surprised at the move by Tibbs. Bench by the Knicks out of the rotation right now. But some people will say, all right, you talked about Kemba Walker, his three-point shooting, career high, 43%. Somebody might look and say he can still help a team. Is there a market for Kemba Walker at all? Do you see Kemba being moved? He is a much uh, friendlier contract in terms of trading it than John Wall. But do you think there is actually a market for Kemba Walker? Well, Kemba's contract certainly makes him – a plausible guy that could be moved. He think he's making, you know, in the eight plus million dollar range next year will be nine. I just think the expectation and the role might be different. I think Kemba, you know, potentially, and this is a guy who's, who's dealt with some injuries. I think Kemba Walker, if he's your six man coming off the bench or uh, a starter that's going to play, you know, 25 minutes. Yeah. He can give you that. Uh, it's just, you got to have a, a strong defensive team around him. And, you know, if a team is looking for a guy that needs a clutch basket at the end of the game, certainly Kemba is more than willing to do that. He is a terrific teammate, a great locker room guy overall. Even in this demotion, you know, he was up and cheering for guys uh, when the Knicks were playing Brooklyn shortly after he got suspended, uh, excuse me, after he got uh, benched over at Barkley Center. So I-, I do think there will be suitors. I just think the compensation always comes into into question ultimately for a guy like that. What what are teams willing to give up for a guy like that? And if you're the Knicks, I don't think you're going to be looking for anybody long on a long term deal. You know what what area are they going to look to to fill? Because if you're going to go with Rose and quickly and have Alec Burks as your guards, then you're not going to try to bring back another point guard. Then at that point, and another right. another point guard isn't going to necessarily want to come there. So you've then got to look at a different position of need. And they've got two centers in Nerlens and Noel and Mitch Robinson. You know, you've got Obi Toppin and uh, Julius Randle at the four. So are you going to get a wing? That's maybe what you do there. And, and is there that fit? I haven't studied it closely enough to, to say. I, the logistically, it's plausible that he can be moved because of his contract. Right. And I still think his skill set is good enough to help a team, a playoff team. Um, uh-huh. But ultimately, it's got to be a willingness to accept uh, a different role. Yeah, that's good. That, that would be it. What role would he have to wherever he's moved and what would the Knicks be getting back? Those are the questions. All right, two quick ones before we get you out of here, Mike. Okay, when it comes to the trading deadline, you know what we talk? We talk about buyers or sellers. So what teams, first of all, let's talk about the sellers. What teams right now, we know the teams that are bad in the league, sure. what teams do you expect to be sellers at the trade deadline? Certainly, I think two that came, you know, to my mind right off the bat with the Detroit Pistons and the Orlando Magic, you know, with the Pistons. Kelly Olenek's a guy I mentioned. I also think Corey Joseph is a backup point guard, uh, would be a guy that could be on the move. Uh, they've got Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham they want to get the ball to. Uh, you know, Corey Joseph's contract is manageable if a team wants to add a backup guy. Uh, Frank Jackson as well, I could see getting moved. 
when you look at the Orlando Magic, they've got Terrence Ross, who's a, ironically a really good uh, scorer on the wing. I know we were talking about guys that the Knicks could look, but that wouldn't be a fit. But uh, Terrence Ross is a guy that I I would certainly look at. Uh, you know, teams have been monitoring him. Uh, he's been in trade talks, especially last summer when Orlando was looking to uh, you know reshuffle the deck a little bit. And then you've got. Um, Robin Lopez, center for the Orlando Magic. Uh, you know, Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter, that's their front court of the future and the present. So Robin Lopez has played sparingly, and I think he can help a, a playoff team if they're looking for a backup big man. So those are some guys out in the East. Uh, in the West, I mean, you know, I think, you know, I touched on Houston with Tice. I, I would look at them – like you, you touched on, any team that's not, like, doing well, um, you know, that's a team to look at. Buddy Heald we talked about as a guy. You know, Sacramento is going to be in an interesting place because they didn't want to move Harrison Barnes last year. Uh, Buddy, Buddy Heald ended up not getting moved. And you would think at this point they've been trying desperately to get to the playoffs so much, uh, especially now with this play-in tournament. Like, I almost wonder if they almost do the opposite and try to be a, a buyer at this hmm. point and try to that would be interesting. that young team. Um, you might as well switch over to the buyers. I mean, I think anybody that is yeah. looking for um, just playoff contenders that are looking, it, it's still early right now to identify those teams. And that's why, like, even when I talk with executives around the league, scouts, you name it, anybody that's a front office member for a team, they're trying to figure it out just as much as we are because it's so – everybody's bunched up. There's not a lot of par- there's a lot of parity right now. There's not a a huge gap. So this that's why I was saying to you too. I think it's going to take closer to the trade deadline to sort itself out. Some some teams have been playing well uh, so far to this point, and and surprisingly, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. But well, we know the teams that are competing for a championship: the Warriors, the Suns, who've got some good starts. We could absolutely see them looking to make some moves, adding some pieces, possibly at the deadline. So we'll see. We'll see in time. Who are the buyers? Who are the sellers? Mike thinks it'll be active as we get closer to the deadline. We'll see more about that. I encourage everybody, check out Michael's work on Hoops Hype. There's an article. It's a transcript, actually, right, Mike? There's a transcript up. Yeah, we the have, podcast. Yeah, t- tell the people about it. I'll let you do it. You tell the people about it, what they can check yeah, out. Yeah, so like anytime we post like a podcast, you can check out the Hoops Hype podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Um, we do like some small snippets of it, the key points. Um, obviously I invite everybody to listen. It's not too long, full half hour. Uh, I won't lull you to sleep. We'll definitely keep you upbeat. And, uh, yeah, I just think that those, uh, that's the best way to, uh, we obviously enjoy when you guys listen to it, but we do have like the little snippet transcripts, not word for word, all 30 minutes. I will not, you're not reading a Harry Potter novel folks. Like that's <laughs> not what we're trying to do here. And neither am I after I record a podcast. So, um, but you will get, uh, as much intel as we can and, and as much uh, feedback and context as you can. And, and Yossi Goslin, our salary cap expert, did a great job helping me out with that and explaining the logistics, such as like we talked about with Dennis Schroeder earlier um, on this show and then why he could be a guy that you look at maybe for the luxury tax, tax purposes and um, how Boston has restrictions on trying to keep him past the season. Yeah, definitely check that out. Hoops Hype Podcast. If you can't listen – you can read the partial transcript, not the full transcript, the partial transcript that they have up there. There's a lot of good information. This is why I wanted to talk to Mike. There's a lot of stuff as we should think about the dates of December 15th, 
January 15th coming up and the trade deadline coming up as well. Mike, always good to see you, my Brooklyn brother. Always good to have you on the NBA Exchange. Thanks for coming on. It's your second time on. Glad to have you back on, man. Right back at you, my man. Looking forward to the next time as well. That's right. That is Michael Scotto. You catch his work on Hoops Hype once again. That's it for this Friday episode of the NBA Exchange. He's Michael Scotto. I'm Dexter Henry. Till next time, y'all. Peace.